This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games, and players that matter to you. Sports Interaction is on the ground, on top of all the local trends, and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagine existed, from same-game parlays to a best-in-class casino featuring thousands of games and live 24-7 dealers. And now introducing The Locker Room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to open an account. Bet local. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And if you have questions or concerns about gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please go to connexontario.ca. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big money siege on a mo- on a Monday morning. Hopefully you're doing okay. I know the Cowboys took it on the chin. But we have a very packed uh, show for you today. Uh, the NHL trade freeze is coming up. Uh, Ask CJ questions are coming up. Some updates on Zach Parise and Phil Kessel. I have to ask about uh, Kyle Dubas, though. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins were back in Toronto. Uh, Kyle Dubas specifically, back in Toronto a couple of days ago. That game went down. It went bad for the Penguins. Uh, but I would love to know your thoughts and analysis on how that all went down. Yeah, I mean, look, there's going to be any number of bad games that every team plays in a season. Um, but you really probably don't want one in that case if you're if you're Kyle Dubas coming back to, to Scotiabank Arena for the first time as a visiting general manager slash team president in Pittsburgh. I mean, a 7 nothing loss pretty much speaks for itself. The Leafs also hit, I think, four or five posts in the game. Like, it is the rare 7 nothing game that honestly the score could have been worse. I think um, Pittsburgh just was very leaky defensively, gave up a lot of odd man rushes and chances to the Leafs. And, you know, Toronto was playing without Austin Matthews for that game and still had uh, no trouble generating some, uh, some great offensive chances. So you, you could see it. It was getting, I was in the arena actually in the press box, but obviously I was aware of the broadcast and they kept panning to Kyle's booth, him and Jason Spezza there. Um, you know, must not have been a great night for them. Few fans tried to sort of derisively chant Dubas. I don't think it like it never reached a, a big enough pitch to be all that notable, but there were a few people out there that recognized he was in the building. And um yeah, I mean, I think Pittsburgh's an interesting team for me. I mean, they they really, as we're talking now, we're almost at the Christmas break here. They're they're not in a playoff spot. Um, you know, they they've had some injuries like a lot of teams, but I just I don't you'd wonder where that push is gonna come from. I don't have a terrible amount of confidence in the Eastern Conference right now. There's there's a lot of teams kind of hanging in that no man's land zone. And so, I, you know, maybe that by by virtue of that might keep a lot of those teams in the playoff race right into March and April. But, um, you know, it f- feels like a kind of a crucial moment in time for Pittsburgh. And that was not a very good game for them on Saturday. Right now, they're five points out of the last wildcard spot in the East. They do have a 500 record, but this is well below expectations for this team. The power play, we've hyped them up from preseason, but they are among the bottom third in the league in that regard. What does Kyle Dubas do with this roster going forward? You know, he, he gave a press conference, I believe it was last week in Pittsburgh, and he kind of, there's sort of a cryptic line as part of that press conference about sort of like waiting till the, the all-star break to to sort of 
make any decisions. And I think, you know, my understanding of where they're at is, you know, Kyle Dubas has come into this team over the summer, uh, obviously a legacy team with some legacy players. You, you have Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby have been teammates more than any other teammates in North American professional sports for, for the amount of time they've spent as teammates. And I think that the, the general manager wants to give his team a period, a window here to, to dig out of it, to, to get back into a playoff position, to, to maybe show him that he should be looking to add at the deadline. But, you know, I built into the, the unspoken part, I would say of that, that line in Kyle's press conference last week is that if that doesn't happen, I think he's really going to have a decision to make uh, when it comes to sort of retooling. And, and, you know, I don't see Pittsburgh as being eventually look at, we know a rebuild is coming. Like that's no mystery. Uh, that's been on the horizon for some time. But I don't see it being the kind of rebuild where they take everything down to the wood. Like, you know, in San Jose, they're kind of in the middle of a rebuilding process. They've traded away some really good players, some legacy players, you know, Brent Burns, Carlson and the like. Um, you know, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to go that route. I, I really believe they're going to kind of move everything around the chairs as much as they can. But but I would be surprised if we're talking about Crosby, Malkin or Latang being part of those moves. And so I think, you know, you might look at some retooling there. You know, they got an intriguing decision with Jake Gensel, uh, who's been a really valuable goal scorer for them. Has put up good points and 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 all that this season. But he's a pending UFA. He's thirty years old, kind of in that that middle zone where if you're a team like Pittsburgh and maybe you know a rebuilds on the the horizon, maybe he's he's best traded at the deadline. And so I think Pittsburgh will be a team that we really keep close eyes on uh, as as we get closer to March eighth, just in terms of where they're at in the standings. You know what that means for management and. You know, I, I think Kyle Dubas, it's probably easier in some ways being new to the organization to make some of those hard decisions. Uh, it's not time to decide anything just yet, but uh, look, man, it's it's already, I can't believe it's already almost the, the holiday break. It won't be long before it's the end of January. And if there's still five or six or seven or more points out of a playoff spot, I think they're going to have to look at pieces they can sell. I just, as I say, no headlines here. I don't think that there it'll be any of the main pieces that uh, were part of those three Stanley Cup teams. Which which makes sense in one regard because they're, they're still at a high level. But could you imagine? Just put yourself in Kyle Dubas's shoes for a second. Could you imagine being the guy that has to consider even trading Crosby or Latang or or Malkin? I know you're saying that's not going to happen. It doesn't look like it will. But could you imagine being in those shoes? I can't really, and I, and I should be clear. I'm not saying it's not 100% going to happen. I just don't think it's likely to happen. It doesn't seem like that's the way the wind's blowing. But, you know, sometimes things change too, right? I mean, a lot of it is about what those players want. I mean, certainly in the case of Malkin and Latang, they've got, you know, contracts that stretch into the future here. Do, do they still want to play out those contracts, even if they're in a spot where maybe they start to feel the Penguins can't win a cup before they're likely to retire? You know, Crosby is only one year out. Uh, you know, he's got one more season beyond this one on that, the 12 year deal he signed uh, obviously 11 years ago, but uh, it, it's uh, you know, it will be up to him. It does. He want to sign a new deal. You know, everything I've heard is that he, he wants to be a career penguin. Uh, but you know, again, let, let's see how the season goes. I mean, those players have, have been on so many great teams, even the ones that didn't win a Stanley cup, they, they've been used to being in the hunt every year if it turns into the type of year where they're losing games, maybe not seven, nothing, but if, 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 if it's one-sided and they're not really that competitive, I mean, look, it, it's, it's a tough one. I, I don't think there's any nice way around this. 
look, look at the the players in this generation. I'm just going off the top of my head. Like you had Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane had long, long-term deals in Chicago, obviously enjoyed lots of success there, but their last five or six seasons, I mean, the, Chicago was a non-factor when it came to being having a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, they, they barely made the playoffs. And and obviously part of what's fueling Patrick Kane's comeback is he wants to be part of those kind of teams again. I mean, it's it's hard to say where these guys will be at after another, say, year of potentially not moving forward as an organization. Um, but, you know, I think for Kyle Dubas' standpoint, you know, he just doesn't have any prospects really, right? I mean, they, they have Jaeger, who's, who's going to the World Juniors for Team Canada. Uh, but, Yeager, yes. but but really they don't have a lot of prospects in the pipeline. They've already traded away a future first round pick as part of that Carlson deal. I think they, they don't even own all their seconds coming up. I mean, I think it's going to be his job at some point in time to start recouping future assets and stockpiling and, and doing it that way. I think that, that, you know, they're going to have flexibility on the cap. You know, one way they might look to get better is, is going out and signing players in free agency or making trades, uh, for impactful players that are maybe say 25, 26, 27 and trying to keep it going that way. I think there's lots of ways to approach a rebuild. It's not always just tear, like, you know, trade away absolutely anything with value and start fresh. I think that there's, there's different sort of modes of it. And I think that the Penguins will probably eventually get to a, you know, a more modified version of that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, certainly the more seven, nothing games you see that, that conversation I think is going to get, you know, pick up some speed here a little bit because, you know, Crosby's played out of his mind this year. Honestly, if you look at it, um, you know, as I said, Gensel's had a pretty strong start to the year, but there's just defensively. I mean, that, that team gives up a lot and especially the last 10 or 12 games here, they've really sprung a leak there. And, and, you know, you just wonder if the roster has enough to, to get through it and truly challenge for a playoff spot. We're going to have to keep an eye out for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and if they continue to have performances like what they get, what they did against Toronto, I think we're going to see some Penguins on your next trade board. Well, the trade board comes out on Wednesday. Mm. Little tease. It's not. Mm. We're recording this on Monday morning, so it's not 100% finalized, but obviously I've put a lot of work in, and I believe as of right now there's one Penguin on there. Okay. But there's lots of All room right. for more. I mean, look, at the, the fun part about the trade board – I'll say this is when you get into January and February and get much closer to the deadline, like some teams we might not have expected to be sellers become sellers. And then all of a sudden that brings into play a whole new group of players or, or a fresh batch of players. So I think Pittsburgh could be one. I think Seattle's a team I'm watching, you know, they lost eight in a row here recently and they got a number of pending UFAs on their team, including Jordan Everly, Alex Wenberg, a few others, Justin Schultz. So, you know, I, I think that, that, well, the, the the trade season is just kind of heating up a little bit, not not quite getting to full boil. I think that there could be some interesting names that come into play once we get into the new year here. Hold your thoughts on trades because I did have more trade questions on the other side of sports interaction. We'll get to that on the CJ show. It's all part of the Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Right now on the Sports Interaction website, the Colorado Avalanche are the betting favorite to win the Stanley Cup. 8.5 to 1 odds to win the best odds of any NHL team. The Rangers, the Golden Knights right after them. Uh, the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs, both at 12 to 1 odds to win the Stanley Cup this year. What say you, CJ? Well, I didn't know Drew was setting the odds for these things. I mean, what's going on here? Oof. Jeez. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, the Avs, I mean, look, the Avs are a really good team. 
They're still in that cup window. I get it. I get it. At least there's a little bit more respect for Vegas this time around. Absolutely. And I, I love Drew like keeps us informed in, in the group chat about every little positive thing that's happening in Colorado. Uh, so yes, he's, he does. he's a real abs loyalist, like just yelling into the wind uh, in, in a very otherwise heavy uh, Leafs focused Steve Dangle, Adam Wild type of group chat. But, uh, you know, the abs look in, kind of an intriguing team. I think last year coming off the Stanley Cup didn't get a chance to be their best. You know, they had a lot of injured players and the like. They still are playing without Gabriel Landeskog, of course. You know, Kale McCarr has been in and out of the lineup a little bit this season. But, I mean, not not too many apparent holes there. And, and I think, you know, a lot of reason to think management's going to go all in. I, I'm still – I would be setting my favorite as Vegas. Um, it's just hard for me to to find any flaws there and, and having just not skipped a beat, really, from – their, their march through the playoffs last season. I, to me, the Golden Knights are, are still setting the standard in the league, but certainly, you know, I'd have Colorado, um, right. I was trying to think Florida probably be in my top tier of teams. Um, mm, but, uh, interesting. you know, I, it, I think they got it mostly right here. It just drew skew in the odds. And that's, what's, that's, what's confusing me. Panthers odds 19 to one, uh, teams with better odds than Florida to win the Stanley cup include, uh, I mentioned Toronto already in Boston, but Carolina, Dallas, Edmonton has better odds at winning the Stanley Cup, 14-1, to 1, uh, compared to Florida at 19. So it's really fascinating. Don't, Florida. Uh, we should mention Edmonton, just because their, their, their awful start was awful, but there's a yes. lot of good things under the hood that have been happening since they pulled out of that, and, and while they still have a long way to go, if they get in the playoffs, nobody, I don't think, is going to want to play them. Except producer Drew, who says he thinks the Avs might sweep them in round one, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. You can find the full list of uh, Stanley Cup odds on the Sports Interaction website. Uh, don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. CJ, we are not too far off from the NHL trade freeze, which kicks in at 11.59 p.m. on Tuesday night. You mentioned something off air where in every market, the trade freeze kicks in at 11.59 p.m. local time. So it's not a situation where it's 11.59 Eastern, and then that means in, in Calgary it's 9.59. Like, why is it set that way? I think it's just a fairness thing. I mean, you've got, what, 11 games on the schedule Tuesday night, and, and it's it's not actually just a trade freeze. It's a roster freeze. Basically, you, you can – there are some exceptions, but basically you can't really make any roster moves just for all intents and purposes. And so some teams might want to play a game Tuesday night and then make a roster move or two afterwards. And so it probably wouldn't be fair if, if it was 1159 in Toronto time, but in Vancouver, that meant it was 859 and the Canucks were in the middle of the game and they couldn't make a roster move after their game. And so I think it's just about having, a, you know, an equal playing field across the league and it runs all the way through to December 28th. And so, I mean, obviously this is a part of the CBA negotiated, I think, for you – know, there's, there's a lot of players we probably don't always sort of consciously think of this that are, are kind of on the, the cusp at all times of being moved, of being sent to the minors, um, that don't have a lot of comfort with their, their spot. And when you couple in, it's a, you know, a period where you know, families are trying to get together. Obviously, we have a three-day window in the schedule where there's no games, the 24th, 25th, and 26th. If, if you were operating right now with it hanging over your head, you might be traded tomorrow uh, in this window. I think it'd be difficult. So, yeah, Tuesday night, late Tuesday night through December 28th, 
we will see very little to no player movement. And, um, you know, I guess the question is, do we see anything that happens before now? Because a deadline sometimes forces action too. Took the words out of my mouth. That was literally what I was <laughs> going to ask you next. <laughs> I'm doing both jobs today. I love it. Jesus. Uh, well, you know, there's been a fair bit in the air, right? We've seen some, I'd call them minor trades in the last week or so. We had anti-Ranta pass through waivers over the weekend as Carolina is juggling some things in net. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not aware of any, you know, bubbling move that has to be made right now, but it's, it does feel a little bit like that someone's taken the, the, the Coke bottle here and shaking things up a bit. Like you can sense like a little bit of frothiness um, to things going on. I mean, some of it, it really just comes from, I think a number of teams have underperformed their own expectations. Forget even the fan or media expectations. I mean, if you look at the the standings right now about who's in and who's out of the playoffs, I mean, there's some teams that I think most people in their preseason picks would have said for sure in the playoffs. And and on one hand, you're like, there's a long way to go. On the other hand, you're, you're looking at the standings and a lot of teams have played 30 or more games already. And so you're, you're getting towards that, the halfway point in the season. And so, um, you know, for, for all the reasons that the trades don't happen, you know, mainly down to the fact that teams don't have a lot of cap room and, it's tough to maneuver. I do think that there's certainly been a lot of conversations going on and, you know, maybe this deadline, we will see a, a move or two because I think there's already been a few surprises, even back to last week, right? A player like Jacob Vrana going through waivers in St. Louis, uh, you know, Carolina's now sent uh, Vranta down to uh, the American Hockey League team in Chicago. You know, I, 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 I could see a bit of movement, but, but certainly, um, you know, as we get into the new year, I think that's really when we should, should brace for, a little bit more uh, action on the trade front. Already with with Carolina, they uh, it looks like they have Aaron Dell on a PTO. Do I have that right? You do, yeah. Uh, their, their second PTO, if you remember, Yaroslav Halak was in earlier in the year, didn't end up signing an NHL contract with them. I mean, it's been a very strange season in goal. You know, Ranta's been kind of a, I mean, he's certainly been a very effective goaltender, went healthy throughout his career. He's been a mainstay in Carolina, but it speaks to, the decline in his play that, that he would be first of all placed on waivers that he would go unclaimed and is now finds himself back in the AHL. Uh, you've had Frederick Anderson who's, who's been out with blood clot issues. He's actually recently been cleared here to resume skating, but you know, I think it's going to take a month or more for him to ramp up his, his, you know, return to play before we're talking about him playing games. So really it's, it's Peter Kochetkov's net uh, as, as far as we can see. They've, they've also made a recall from, from an ECHL affiliate. Remember, Carolina is playing this year without an AHL team. So yes. their prospects are spread all over the place, uh, including the, the, the goaltender they had playing in ECHL Norfolk, who's now up as their backup. I'm sure he'll get some play here. But there's a chance for Aaron Dell, who's had a long career, been a, been a backup a number of times around the league, to perhaps earn a, uh, earn a contract because I think it, it speaks to where the Hurricanes are at. I know that they've looked at the, the trade market as well and just not found – anything that meets the sort of price they want to pay for, for what they might be able to get back. And so they're, they're, they're trying desperately to patch it together and goal there. I think that they're very high on Kochetkov and, you know, he may be able to carry the mail as their, as their number one for the time being, but uh, certainly a, a time of great, you know, flux in the Carolina crease as it is around the league. I don't remember goaltending ever being this kind of, what's the, I don't what's the best adjective. Like, it's a bit weird, right? I mean, we've got multiple teams carrying three goalies, you have other teams like Carolina. It's just like they're calling guys up from the ECHL. They're they're bringing Aaron Dell in on a PTO midseason. Um, you know, just a lot of strange goaltending, uh, you know, sequences around the league. And then at the same time, you have Ranta, who's been pretty established. I know he's had a terrible year. 
uh, judging by the numbers, but you know, no one even takes a flyer on him on waivers. I mean, just, it's hard to sort of make sense uh, of everything going on in, in the creases around the league right now. Yeah. Just a really finicky time again, ahead of that roster freeze on Tuesday. I'll what put another one on your radar. Brand? I mean, the Leafs sure. are using their number three goalie right now. Martin Jones kind of yes. seems to have supplanted Elias Samsonov. I mean, Joseph wall who has a high ankle sprain. He's, He's a fair ways off returning, but when he returns, what do the Leafs do? Do they risk losing Jones on waivers? Is there a world where they consider waving Samson off? I mean, the Leafs are a team that probably won't have the cap room to to carry three goalies, uh, although who knows because they've kind of been injured all year and it, they just keep piling more and more injuries on. You know, Mark Giordano's just gone on LTIR here recently. And so, you know, they're going to have a decision to make at that point in time. Again, one that's still a ways off, but it just feels like so many teams and especially teams that, that want to have, that are trying to win a Stanley cup that are really have high aspirations for the season. There's a lot of situations where it feels like everything is unsettled in their crease. Okay. What about uh, some free agent talk? Uh, Zach Parise and, and Phil Castle, two names that come to mind. What's the latest with those two guys? Well, we'll start with Parise. I mean, there's actually a very high degree of interest in him. Uh, the, the reason he's not playing right now was was his end, not not because teams didn't want him at the start of the year. But, you know, he had a 21-goal season last year on Long Island, still a very effective player, uh, even at, you know, getting towards his late 30s now. And, you know, he just wasn't sure if he was up to the grind of another season. You know, what's happened in the last few months is I think the itch has returned a little bit. He's really ramped up his conditioning and skating and, and everything back home in Minnesota. And you know, I think where it's interesting here is that he spent the last two two seasons on Long Island, uh, had success. You know, Lou Lamorello made it clear both privately and in public with reporters that the door was open to to Parise. Remember, Lamorello drafted Parise once upon a time in New Jersey, and they had a long run together there. And so there's, you know, obviously a longstanding relationship. But I think what's happened is, you know, not just the Islanders, there's some teams well above the Islanders in the standings that have come and shown some interest in Parise. And so, you know, it's too soon to say where that's going to fall, but you know, the only reason he'd be coming back at this point in his life is to chase a Stanley cup. You know, he, he hasn't been part of a team that's played beyond the second round of the playoff or first round of the playoffs into the second round uh, since he went to the cup final with the devils all the way back in 2012. And so he's coming back, not for money, not for to add to his stats, but to try to win a cup. And so, is he stay loyal to the Islanders who've done some winning of late to their credit? I mean, they, they were in a hole and they've, they've actually strung together a really nice uh, December here, or does he maybe opt to sign with one of the contenders? I think that's a big to be continued, but you know, I think that there'll be interesting to see what happens with that situation uh, as it pertains to Phil Kessel. I mean, he's still chomping at the bit to play. Like he, he is not picky about where he lands. I think that he would sign just about anywhere. Really, really just wants to get back and play in the NHL. And, you know, there have been teams that have kept tabs on him and and at least one point in time where he really thought he was about to sign a contract and the team said it had to make some other moves and, you know, just hasn't ever fallen into place. And now it's at the point where he's looking at uh, going to Europe to at least play some games here uh, on the other side of Christmas if uh, if he doesn't get an NHL deal. And so, you know, it, it says to me that Phil Kessel's probably going to find his way back to NHL. Like if he's willing to go to that length, you know, sometimes a player with his resume – um, you know, he is the NHL's reigning Iron Man, and, and he's you know the longest serving Iron Man in the league. Obviously, didn't you know jumped right into the NHL um, when he was drafted. The fact he's willing to go and look at Europe and consider other options, uh, he's he's trying to do what he can to get a contract. And so we'll we'll, we'll monitor his his uh, 
his time over in Europe should he end up signing in Switzerland, which is, uh, you know, his rumored destination. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely keep an eye out for both uh, Zach Parise and Phil Kessel. Uh, before we get to ask CJ, I'm very curious about your thoughts on the Ottawa Senators. That's a team right now with an 11-15-0 record. They've lost four in a row. Uh, Ian Mendez, it feels like every time I see him right now, he's writing something about the Ottawa Senators and how weird their season has been. And it feels as if the fan base is impatient with all the losing, but management is just getting its feet wet, right? You know, you have the new ownership and Steve Stales there. I'm just curious about your thoughts on the situation. Well, I mean, you couldn't have really scripted a worse start to the year for them kind of on and off the ice. I mean, off the ice, it's, I think it's great that they have Michael Landlauer and they've got stable ownership, but you know, a lot of things have gone, not gone their way. They had this really wonky schedule. I mean, they've only played 26 games where, you know, a lot of the teams are competing against have played many more. They've barely played on the road. And so it's going to be a tough slog from, from here on in. And they haven't taken advantage of the fact that they've, you know, played fewer games than everyone else and should therefore be more rested that they've played so much at home. And I, I think that that adds to everything because they are miles out of the playoffs. Um, you know, they've had a tough start here. They're, they're going on the road. Well, you know, when they come home and if they come home on a losing skid and they're, you know, it, you can just imagine what the environment's going to be like at Canadian tire center. I mean, we've already had and heard fans, you know, calling for DJ Smith's firing uh, during games in Ottawa. I can't imagine that's going to be abated if, if, you know, this, this road trip keeps going the way it's going. I mean, it's really been a difficult road trip for them. And so, you know, I don't know where the dam breaks here. You know, I was uh, part of a small group of reporters that spoke with Michael Anlauer, the Senator's owner in Seattle earlier in the month at the board of governors meeting. It was very apparent. He wanted to give this more time. He, you know, he just, you almost, as you've laid it out in the question, Julian, he just wants everyone to like calm down and he wants to see more and take more time to evaluate. But, this might not end up being entirely on his own timeline, right? I mean, it's it's a difficult spot to put anyone in. And, you know, I've, I've seen a few of these over the years where it almost feels like the fans force a firing. You know, one that comes to mind many years ago in Toronto was Ron Wilson. Um, you know, there was sort of fire Wilson chants and signs and the whole like. And and Brian Burke, who was the Leafs GM at the time, came out and he's like, literally, I just couldn't send him out there for another game after that. And I'm not predicting it'll get to that point in Ottawa, but, you know, that has happened over time. And, you know, it's, so it's, it's tough. I mean, this was supposed to be a year as was last year, I think in the minds of senators ownership and, and management at the time where they were meant to, to take a step forward. And it just, it really hasn't happened. And, you know, look it, it, sometimes change can be a good thing too. We've seen a lot of where there's been coaching changes around the league. There's been a lot of positive play afterwards, whether you look at Edmonton uh, or Minnesota, they, they had a real bounce back there. And so, you know, perhaps, perhaps that will be the case in, in Ottawa, but, you know, we know that management and ownership doesn't want to make that change, but you just wonder how long they can stay patient uh, with the losses mounting and obviously the frustration mounting in that marketplace. Yeah. It's just a really interesting team. I mean, does it, I just, every time I see the Ottawa senators now post Eugene Melnick and there's some kind of disaster class going on, I just keep thinking to myself, wasn't this not supposed to be the case or weren't those days supposed to be over? I don't know. Just a well, really weird. They team. were supposed to be over. They might still end though. Like it, you know what Michael Anlauer and Steve Stales want to do is establish stability. 
And perhaps one way to do that is by rebuilding the foundation. I don't mean the whole team, but like it, it's, it's been a very tumultuous period in Ottawa Senators history. Like the last 10 years of the Sens, I mean, they have that miracle run and it was almost a miracle run to game seven, double overtime of the Eastern conference final. They were one goal away from the cup final in 2017 yeah. and haven't yeah. made the playoffs since. Right. And, but on the flip side, and they made some controversial trades in that time, but they've ended up with some good players out of those deals and, 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 you know, getting a Sanderson and then Stutzla and, and, you know, even Brady Kachuk, I mean, down the line, like they, you feel like they should be moving in a better direction than they are. And, you know, it could still come here, but it's, it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. Um, We are going to get to ask CJ and uh, I should mention coming up in a couple days, we will have an all ask CJ show where it's going to be nothing but questions. That's going to be really fun. But in the meantime, I hope you mix in some goofy ones there. You know, that's my favorite. I don't know why we talk hockey the whole show. So I just love sometimes we get to the end and there's just like weird stuff. I mean, some of our most fun moments have come out of like my answer to a question and you don't like it. And we get into, we spend two episodes debating about chocolate bars or whatever. Like, so I think sometimes I I like getting weird sometimes. That's all I'm saying. The way you described it now, it sounds like you like picking fights more than being weird. No, but it's, <laughs> I guess what I mean is it's, it's not that I like picking fights, but it like exposes something that you and I would never, like we would never have had that conversation on our own. We wouldn't be like, Hey, what chocolate no. bar do you like? What chocolate bar do you like? But like, so I'm almost certain that I, I, the initial spark for that conversation was out of an ask CJ question. And it just spilled into like, well, now it was like last season for one. So I'm talking about yeah. it a year later. Yeah, and all the, it's all the hundred percenters out of there know what I'm talking about, though. Just on a small reference. Um, anyway, I'm just I, saying. No, I no, you're absolutely right. We'll, we'll do our best to make some goofy ones in the Ask CJ episode to come. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we can get to uh, questions. Uh, we have one here off of Discord from B Baron Twenty. Uh, Hi, CJ and Julian, longtime listener, first time caller. I was curious if either of you had food or drink recommendations for Nashville, as I will be there for a night on the 20th. Love the show, and thanks for all you do. Martin's Barbecue. I didn't get to go during the draft to Martin's Barbecue. Sound the alarm. I know there's there's lots of barbecue there, but I love Martin's Barbecue. Like, if I go to Nashville, even when I was back when I was traveling around a lot and going there frequently... Even if I got there and I didn't have a chance to go the night before, I would go like for my game day lunch. Like I would cover the game day skate, walk over to Martin's barbecue, and then have a food coma nap, and then uh, go to the game. So I I, I can't recommend that place enough. Uh, great for barbecue, just kind of unique vibe in there. If you go upstairs, there's kind of like a bar area and outdoor games and stuff. Like it's just a really cool place. So that's that's high on my list. And then I mean you can't. If you want, if you want drinking recommendations, like if you can't find a bar in Nashville, you're doing it wrong. So yeah, seriously, it's, like, it's like not going to be hard. Not going to be hard to have fun in a bar if if you want to. If that's what you're looking for while you're there. Exactly. Uh, from Adil Pickle on uh, Discord, what do yours and CJ's Spotify Wrapped look like? I got a lot of Taylor Swift on there, man. It was yeah. a big year for. It was a big year for listening to T Swift. Uh, she has some like album coming out, does she? Nineteen eighty nine, Taylor's version. Do I have that? Do I have that right? That's what's coming. I'm out not soon, an right? expert. All I know you're is you're more of an is... expert than me. You're more of an expert than me on Taylor Swift. That is your domain. That is not I'll, me. 
All I, know I don't hate. Pretty- and that's not me hating on Taylor Swift. That's not me hating on Taylor Swift. That's just not what I listen to. Just want that out there before the Swifties hear this. <laughs> I was pretty fired up yesterday when I was watching the Kansas City New England game, and yes. at one point. Did you see when Travis Kelsey got kind of like knocked down in the end zone and she like got up and was definitely swearing and like she she was like every sports fan who's frustrated when something happens to his or her team. Uh, and it was just I, I was loving that. I, like she's like literally it started off as like kind of like a curiosity. It's like, oh, my God, Taylor Swift at a sporting event. And now she's just like literally a massive Chiefs fan, which is awesome. She's one of us. The way that she yeah. got up. It was her and uh, Alana Heim uh, from the band Heim next to her. They're both getting up. And they're like, what is going on? They're one of us now. They're not just people, just celebrities looking for FaceTime on, on, on screen at a big game. They're one of us. They're sports fans. Did you fans. see, too, they know that what she, it's like. she had a birthday cake in the box there. It was her 34th fourth birthday this week. And then her dad, like, walked it over to the next box over and was, like, sharing the cake. That's really nice of them. Happy birthday, Taylor Swift. Anyway, so that that's a lot of my rap, you know, I think the nationals on there. I saw like the tragically hip somehow, even all these years later, like made like my top five or something like around fifth. Cause you know, I still like, it's a, a summer thing, like sitting on the back deck in, and it's still sunny out at like nine 30 at night, mm. have a cold drink, little hip. Yeah. Like it's, it feels right. So Drake ended up on my Spotify wrapped a lot and I'm a bit confused as to why, but also not are you, i'm not sure are you, are, are you taking issue like do you think that you got a bad vote there or like that their algorithms off or something so like i know drake had some projects out in the last few months and i did listen to drake stuff but i don't know like he'll have stuff with good features on them and i like listening to that but i guess spotify just assumed okay all these songs have drake in them so you must love drake so drake ended up number one but like I like so many other artists this year, like Lil Yachty, Paramore. I'm trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, Do I, know I have what, a play. I have a playlist with like some of my favorite songs I like from this year, so I can probably go through that. Do you know who made my list too? I don't know. Do you know Noah Kahan? I've I've heard of Noah Kahan. They're playing Oceaga next summer in Montreal. Yeah, that was my favorite new artist that I learned of this year, like that I didn't know of in 2022, and and listened to a lot of Noah Kahan. Enough to make my top five. So, uh, no one, the, go I was going to say, no one is taking music advice from me, though. So, but I, but I would, I would say, give Noah Kahan a, a, a little listen if you haven't before. I'll give him a try. Uh, Katramine, the collab project with Katranada and Amine, I really liked. Uh, Burna Boy had a really good album. Um, Victoria Monet, who got nominated for a bunch of Grammys this year, I really liked. A uh, Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar had a really good song together, The Hillbillies. Uh, Dave and Central C, they had a really good collab this year too. That's 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 stuff I liked this year. I'm sure some of it ended up on my Spotify Wrapped. Maybe some of it didn't. Oh well, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the question, uh, a Dill Pickle, and uh, one more for you, uh, from Jason Isler. I love Dill okay. Pickles, by the way. You like Dill Pickles? Love them. Mm, okay, that's that's strong. <laughs> I don't have any objection to, to pickles. Okay. Do you, do I just you, was like where, throwing it out there in case you hated pickles and then we were going to no, I don't, I don't, about pickles. I don't hate pickles. Well, I have a question though. Like, are you a person that has like pickles on like burgers or like just where do you normally enjoy dill pickles? Yeah, I would put it on a burger for sure. Or, or I'm happy if it comes on when I order. I would, I sometimes just like have a dill pickle on the side of like a plate, like at lunch or something. 
Oh, okay. That's it's not almost complete. just like, yeah. I'm not like eating it right out of the jar these days. Yeah, you're not like Snooky from uh, what's the name of that damn show she was on again? Jersey Shore. Remember that show? Yeah, uh, yeah. I never saw it, but I've, I'm aware that there was a show called Jersey Shore. There was a show called Jersey Shore, and, and Snooky, one of the characters, was a big fan of pickles. But yeah, I like I like a good dill pickle, man. You can't go wrong. Dill pickle on the side of a grilled cheese or something. Mm. I don't like grilled cheeses. I'm not a big cheese person. Okay. I'm not going to hammer you over that, but I love grilled cheese. <laughs> 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 tried to pick a fight there. You tried. Um, no, I was doing the opposite. I was like de-escalating a potential situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. You, that's true. I'll give you that. Jason Isler uh, on Twitter. Are the Flames looking to make a move suit to clear up bodies? Uh, injuries are slowing them from pulling the trigger. Guys like Oliver Shillington, Jeremy Poirier, Jacques Peltier, and Kevin Rooney would seem to force a move when they get healthy early next year. I can help you out with this one. Take it, bud. I mean, I I I, I really think when Jacques Peltier is healthy, with the way their roster is set at, at forward, someone's going to have to move, right? I mean, I know we mentioned Kevin Rooney in there. I'd be surprised if he gets in on that. But I'm really curious about the composition of that roster and and you have some of the guys who have been underperforming among their forwards and what you're going to try to do there, like a Dylan Dupe, for example. I know his year has not been that great. Adam Ruzichka, they're trying to find some consistency in his game. I know Andrew Matrapani as well. Like, it's just not been there for him too. A bit up and down in terms of veterans and younger players. Wait, are you leaving get... Elias Lindholm out of this? It's a bit of a different story with him because he's a pending UFA. I, it's I'm a not different necessarily... story, but like teams are calling still right oh, now. Absolutely, so... I'm not. I'm not putting him in that same group where it's like, like you're not moving out. I mean, what do you think of they'll move out Elias Lindholm like around the time Peltier's ready or like around the All Star break? You think? Like, I don't. That's not what I'm thinking of. I would what? think for Lindholm, they hold on to him by the deadline. I think it's dependent on how badly someone wants him. I don't know that that has to be a deadline move, but like, look, there's, there's not a lot of him. I can tell you from doing the trade board exercise. There's not a lot of, if you miss out on him, the next best forward likely to move there's again, likely to move is, is a pretty significant drop off. I'll say with this with Lindholm. I mean, there's an opening for a two C in Colorado right now, Boston, Boston, uh, we've I know in the past uh, we've linked Boston to to Lindholm before. I'm just wondering about the assets. But then again, I mean, you could apply that to anybody, and it's not as if, I mean, Lindholm. Remember, we were talking about his contract in 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 preseason, and if he was going to be a nine million dollar player, he doesn't look like a nine million dollar player. So I wonder what that how that affects that asking price too. And honestly, if he's willing, Lindholm. if he ends up being willing to sign an extension as part of a deal. I think mm-hmm. it brings into play not just the top tier contenders. It brings it brings into play other teams that are want to solidify their center position moving forward. And so, you know, put that one under your hat. I, I don't know that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of the obvious teams that would love to plug out a pretty big hole at the moment. I, I could see it being, you know, him signing an extension and it's it's a longer term play. It's not just about what's what's remaining on this season. Okay. All right. Well, that's a really interesting turn for that question. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. It's a good I like way to end. Foreshadow. That's a good way to end today's show. To be quite honest with you, uh, that's there's every reason to stick around uh, for the entirety of these CJ shows. You never know what gems are thrown about 
uh, throughout the duration of the episode. We'll be back on Thursday with more great content and stick taps. And uh, we'll even talk about CJ's trade board that is uh, scheduled to drop on the athletic website on Wednesday. Subscribe to the podcast, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and subscribe to uh, CJ's uh, Twitter. I know you're not on threads yet, but uh, go on go on his Twitter, Reporter Chris, for more great content. Do you want to know a secret? Sure. I've done almost no Christmas shopping. I mean, you have a week. I know, but I'm starting to get nervous. Like, I'm starting to feel the tension this morning. I'm like 90% done my shopping. Yeah. Well, pray for me this week, bud. It's because I still have to work at everything, right? Like, I've left, I've left myself a log jam entirely of my own doing, but it's still a busy week with a couple insider tradings. Obviously, we got the pods, my normal work at the athletic. There's, I got some games to go to, and then. I've also still got to get the Christmas shopping done in there somewhere. And you're a man who loves to do in-person shopping. Only. Good luck. Exclusively. Good luck. That's all I have to say to you. Good luck. Do I know the truth? I've never bought a present off of anything online, like Amazon like, or anything like that. Like you've never ordered like a I that's I we're the exact opposite. I have not gone in-person shopping for Christmas in at least five years. All right. All my gifts are just like Amazon. I find it online. Well, if you think of some good presents, you could just send them off of Amazon to my apartment. That would be appreciated. Send me your address. I'll send you something. I have a Christmas. <laughs> I don't I mean actually... for me. Present... No, I... send... no send... legit. Send things no, you... that I can gift to people no. in my life. No, you know what? I have a Christmas gift for you. Send me your address. I will send it to you. All right. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and peace. The Chris Johnson Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.